this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, a podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in Athens talking to Will Burnham about movements among refugees. My wife and I moved to uh, North India, and uh, in North India there, we got to work under um, Jeff Sundell and be a part of movement-like ministry there. So really, that's where we learned the majority of what we do today. Uh, we really haven't changed that much. It's uh, The principles are still the same. The strategy is the same. The tools have changed a little bit, but we're very thankful for our time there. We spent three years there, um, you know, just under Jeff and just learning and you know, trial and error and, uh, yeah, you know, seeing the Lord do some neat things. And that's, that's the best, uh, best way to learn, I guess. Okay. Well, and, and now you're, you're based in Athens, right? What, what yeah. brought that move about? <clears throat> yeah, that was a crazy move. Uh, just the way our organization works, uh, that first term that we spent in India, uh, was up and, and we had to go back to the States and make a transition. And just as we were making the transition, just praying, you know, Lord, where would you have us go? And really open to going anywhere, just kind of left that up to him. And, you know, we're, we're usually pretty big on, on uh, outside affirmation and confirmation. And in India's case and in coming here, uh, we got phone calls that we weren't expecting. Mm. And somebody had heard that we were in the process and, and wanted to know if we would consider coming and joining the team here. Uh, the, the individual at the time uh, really had a vision for the city, but he saw that most people were only focused on one particular people group or uh, language. And so he saw just a lot that were falling, you know, between the, the gaps, so to speak. And so he really wanted somebody to come in with more of a, uh, just a wide focus and let's just reach whoever we can reach and, you know, just let the, let the strategy and, and the fruit dictate where we go. Uh, okay. So really... It was a real blessing, you know, to be able to come in and just have that kind of freedom to just really go wherever, you know, wherever the Lord sent us. And, um, yeah. So how did you discern where the fruit was in Athens? Yeah, you know, just a lot of really our, our initial three years were all about trying to find people that were already believers, but were kind of on the fringe. And, you know, nobody really had ever given them a chance to, you know, really you know, see the Lord at work in their ministry and, and through their lives. And, uh, and then also just, you know, broad seat sowing, looking for people to peace and, and trying to find people that were open to the gospel and open to having conversations. And then, you know, once you go through that process, just filtering down and, and finding the ones that are really passionate about reaching their people. And were some of those people Greeks? You know, not, not yet. Uh, really, just this past year is where we've really been able to focus on Greeks uh, there is a, uh, you know, there is a small contingent of solid Greek evangelicals that are here and, you know, there are around 30 or 40 churches. And so we're, we're kind of known in some of those, uh, in some of those circles and really within that network, just trying to be a blessing to them and haven't until this year really been able to, to focus on the, uh, on the Greek side. But that certainly is something we're excited about now. And just to, you know, an example of how in Europe everything crosses over, immigrants, refugees, Europeans, 
you know, our first Greek that came to faith came to faith through uh, a Congolese brother that we're working with. No and way. so you just, you know, you just never know how and where and when it's going to come. So it's fun. So what a French speaking Congolese African has led a Greek person. To yeah. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, in just a few weeks, we'll start a, uh, the 411. We'll start the training in her home and she's already got the vision to reach out. She lives in an area of town where there's not any Greek evangelical churches. And so just really casting that vision that she's the first one. And uh, we're excited about that. Well, uh, as it picks up, we'd like some Greek missionaries to Australia. <laughs> my, right. my home city of Melbourne is the third largest Greek city in the world. We know. Yeah, there's lots of Greeks there for sure. Yeah. Hey, who knows? Who knows what the Lord I'm might sure do? I'm sure everyone in Athens has a cousin in Melbourne. Everybody knows somebody in Melbourne or in New York or Chicago, one or the other. So what were the doors that opened then? Where did you see fruit? How did that come about? Yeah, you know, just, again, just being open to, honestly, any believer that we meet, mm -hmm. you know, one of the first questions is, well, hey, tell me what you're passionate about. Mm. And just, you know, with enough conversation, we start to hear some common themes and some, you know, certain individuals. And it's guys that kind of already had some understanding that, man, they, they were, they wanted to be used by the Lord. They just didn't know how or nobody had given them a chance yet. And so we began to really see initially uh, through Iranians and Afghans, mm -hmm. uh, just brothers that we met that either came to faith in country mm -hmm. or came to faith on their refugee journey or came to faith here in Greece. It's kind of uh, they all happen. And so regardless, though, you know, some of them were, you know, 10 years believers and some had only been a believer for a year. And, you know, just the ones that were open to, you know, some some leading and some direction and say, hey, man, if you really want to be used by the Lord, let's meet. And, you know, let me let me show you a few things and let's let's just see what happens. And really, our first three years, we, we really walked away with four key guys, okay. uh, a couple of Iranians and Afghan and a Pakistani and a brother. And then now we're working with uh, in an African uh, stream and uh, an Iraqi Kurdish stream. So it. It's a lot of fun. Well, I, I just about tear up any time I hear of, uh, you know, Iranians come to Christ. You know, we have a lot of uh, Persian friends. And what we're seeing in the last decade, uh, we haven't seen in probably 2,000 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really an unprecedented time, you know, I think. And uh, you, you hear that from a lot of people. But, you know, that's certainly the experience that we're seeing here. God is certainly at work among Muslims and, you know, Persians in particular, there's just something about the culture that they're coming out of, just where they are as a society that, uh, you know, they come and, and you know, it, it, God's already at work. You know, he's either at work or he's not. And, you know, we're not really finding it's for one, it's not that difficult to engage. And two, it's really not that difficult to find those that God's really at work in. Well, why don't uh, you tell us the story of, of one of those four brothers, uh, how you connected and then how you helped, uh, you know, train and mobilize them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the Iranian brothers that we're working with, uh, we'll just, we'll call him S. Mm. Um, and he came out of Iran and had an experience with the Lord in Iran and was actually one of the reasons he had to leave, uh, you know, just through reading the Quran, uh, and, uh, getting a hold of a Bible and just some of the verses that he read in the Quran, 
about Isa, about Isa C. And he goes and he tells his mom, you'll never believe what I just read. And uh, she told him not to tell anybody and never read it again. And so he knew at that point, you know, he needed to get out. So he started the process of, of becoming a refugee and making the same journey that refugees are making today, you know, right now. And he came to Greece about eight years ago. Uh, and I met him five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three years, you know, prior before I met him, you know, he, by God's grace, he had gotten involved in a, uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in an evangelical church. And he was very passionate, very bold with the gospel. And they gave him a job uh, as, a, as a janitor in the church building, gave him a room to do ministry out of. Uh, but that's really where the it kind of ends at that point. They were pretty, pretty controlling and he, he didn't have a lot of freedom in ministry. He was thankful for what he had. And so, you know, when I met him, uh, you know, just with anybody, we're going to ask and see what their passions are. Um, and yeah, he just began to share really without knowing the terminology as he was describing his ministry he was laying out T for T. And so it was just neat to just sit there and listen. And it's, you know, the whole time he's talking, I'm like, I want to work with this guy. Uh, and, you know, so just, it took some time, you know, we just wanted to build that relationship. Uh, it's one of the things with, with Persians in particular uh, to really build that trust and that relationship where they're really going to invite uh, any counsel or direction or leadership. And, but man, once that started, uh, yeah, this brother is just really, He's seen he's seen God at work and he's got generations of disciples. And, uh, you know, he his ministry right now is just a reflection of the refugee reality. Uh, with the exception of three people, everybody's gone. Everybody that he's led to the Lord are now somewhere else in Europe. And which is great, you know, on one level, because you're sending out, you know, trained believers that are passionate about the gospel. Uh, not all of them, but, you know, you just pray that a percentage of those that are trained actually do it, you know, as is the case anywhere. And so, yeah, then just the reality of how do you follow up with those guys and how do you help them see, get to church where they are? Uh, how do you help them uh, reach out to, you know, their, the people that they have influence with there. And that's just been another dynamic that we're, we're, you know, you can look at it as a, as a negative that people are moving through so quickly, but really we just see it as a value. It, it kind of forces you to have a train and send mentality uh, it, it forces you to really be strategic in what you get to first and how quickly you you want disciples to experience healthy church. And uh, because you never know how long you're going to have with them. And, and S's ministry is a perfect example of that. So, yeah, he's 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 kind of back to square one and, you know, just doing broad seed sowing, looking for people of peace. And he's got a couple of key disciples that he takes with him uh, every day. They're in the parks and in the camps sharing and just looking for people and that their are their focus uh, typically will be amongst refugees. Yeah, primarily, primarily. Most are going to be among refugees. So it, um, <clears throat> you know, again, there's going to be some crossover. Just naturally it happens. But, you know, for the most of them, yeah, it's just because the, the camps obviously are refugees. Most of the parks are, are refugees. And, you know, just the reality is changing here in that uh, people are here longer now. This used to be just a very quick transitional country. Well, now it's not. You know, you're looking at at least a year, maybe two years with people before they move on, typically, uh, depending on when you meet them in their process. So you've, you've gone to Greece saying, Lord, where is the responsiveness? Mm-hmm. Both in the harvest, but also with existing believers to train and mobilize people like S. Right. Um, 
and you've you've found that fruit in the early years amongst refugees. And mm-hmm. so, how has that refugee ministry developed? What what have you learned along the way about how to do it well and how God's at work? Yeah, you know. Um... I mean, we got a couple hours. <laughs> there's yeah. just so much. It's no. so, there's there's so much uh, yeah. that it's just, it it truly really is different. You know, it, working in, in a South Asian context and then working in the U.S. and then working among refugees. You know, everywhere's a little bit different. But man, we just deal with things that uh, you know typically wouldn't even have to think about. Just you know, the movement of people, uh, you know, refugee needs, just all of that. And then how do you um, you know, how do you balance that with really staying focused on getting to church? Uh, but, you know, when the needs are all around you and ever changing. Yeah, anyways. But, you know, for just to kind of bring it down to where we see God at work and how we're seeing uh, groups form, churches form, disciples and generations, you know, really as quickly as possible, I want to get it in the hands of the refugees. Uh, meaning, you know, if I'm the one doing the majority of the sharing, we're going to have problems because I was never Muslim. You know, I, I didn't come out of an Islamic culture. Uh, you know, I can learn the language, but at the end of the day, I'm, st- I'm never the best one. And so to really, as quickly as we can, put, put you know, evangelism, discipleship, group, church in the hands of, of believers really is the key. And it just, to, just to push that as, as, as quickly and as fastly as we can. And, you know, that's, so that's where we're seeing the majority of our fruit is, you know, these some of these key brothers that we're working with, really just giving them a model and some tools that they can use and just let them run with it. And now really, you know, on, on, the, on, the, on the back end, just as an encourager, as a coach, cheerleader, whatever you want to call it, um, just really kind of try to push these guys. And then now as they're seeing generations pop up from that, you know, walking them through gym mapping and, you know, what all that looks like, you know, downstream. So they're already seeing generations of new disciples and new churches. Mm-hmm. Yes. And these are Afghans and Iranians and Arabs and Congolese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's, and again, you know, we just, it, it's, it's almost not fair because we have so many people coming to us. Uh, we've got this huge network to work within, and it's ever-changing. You know, it's not the same... You know, whether people say there's 500,000 or a million immigrants and refugees in Greece, it doesn't matter because it's, you know, in six months from now, it, it, there's going to be new ones come and some have moved on. So it's like you, you always have this constant stream of, of new people to reach out to uh, and to see, you know, where God might be at work in. Uh, you know, running a, a refugee center that allows us to process and look for people of peace very quickly. So that's how you connect, or one way you connect with refugees. You have a center, and what do you do there? Yeah, that's that's one of the really, and that's mostly among our Iranian, a uh, little bit Afghan, but mostly Iranian. We actually run a refugee center where we provide a food bag and two days where we provide a meal. Mm-hmm. And that's great. We're glad that we can do that. But I'll be honest, there's lots of other organizations that do aid work a lot better than we do. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're happy to be able to do what we do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what we're excited about is we'll have, you know, 200, 250 refugees a day that come and are sitting around tables. Mm-hmm. And our nationals are sitting there with them just looking for people of peace. And just, you know, and, you know, that's the thing. They know the questions to ask. They know, 
you know, they can sit around a table and within a matter of a minute, you know, or two, they know really who's interested. And so then they're able to say, hey, why don't you come back at four? Let's meet up for tea. Yeah. And that's where they can really have some more dialogue and really get to it there. Uh, you know, and then all of the guys that we're working with, their their uh, their schedules are completely free and open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're able to not only do that, but they can also partner with other, uh, you know, refugee centers where they just get to go volunteer their time and, you know, be a blessing to that organization. But then also the whole time they're looking for people of peace. Um, you know, S, who we talked about before, he does that with a Catholic organization here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're happy to have him because he speaks the language. And uh, but he's look he's constantly looking for people of peace yeah. out of that, which is great. Uh, and then yeah, you know we've just got freedom here to, you know, be in the camps. Not me, but our, our national brothers do to be in the camps, and because uh, they look like a refugee. Mm-hmm. And then you know a lot of the the refugees that are here, they don't want to be in the camps uh, all day. They don't want to be in their apartments all day because they're really uh, crammed in there. So they're they're out on the street, mm-hmm. and there's just natural places where they congregate. Uh, in, in parks and things like that. So yeah, we just, we get into those parks and you know, I mean, you could just sit, you could have a hundred conversations in a day if you wanted, uh, you know, just kind of be looking for those that God's at work in. So it's just the basic principles of connecting broadly with people, uh, wide sort of sharing, abundant sharing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the guys you've trained have got simple contagious methods of, you know, getting the gospel out, making disciples, and forming churches. Right. And so what does church look like then? Because these are <laughs> transient people. Um, can you think of an example or just describe what it would be like if we're, we, we were a part of that group? Yeah, you know, so it's, uh, you know, we've got the, the, you know, the healthy church model, you know, the, the healthy church circle and uh, so, I mean, those are the things that we're getting to, and uh, that's, you know, that's what we call church. That's what we call healthy church. That's and, just out of Acts 2, 36 to 47. Just yeah, 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 just the basics, what we see in Scripture. things that the church does. Yeah, no more, no less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are things that are, are transferable, that's reproducible. And so then, then it's just a matter of helping our, you know, helping our nationals. You know, we just really, about two years ago, we went through... Uh, like a four-day process, and we just, you know, okay, what does it look like to do communion in a camp? What does it look like to do communion in an apartment building where there's 20 other Muslims around? What does it look like to do communion in a ministry building? What does it look like to do communion in an apartment when somebody has their own apartment? And so just really try to, because they it runs, you know, there's there's groups and churches in all of those contexts. And, uh, you know, our, our uh, Iraqi Kurdish brother just started a church in a refugee camp on an island. So, okay, what's, what's it look like there? You know, much different. I mean, they're meeting in a, in a tent. Um, and, on an you know, island, it's easy to find water for baptism. Yeah, there are no problems there. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have to struggle with water here for sure. Uh, so, you know, and then, yeah, th- then you've got others that are, you know, they might be able to, to use a, a ministry facility that somebody during the week is using it for aid. Uh, you know, they're able to come in on a, on a Thursday night at 7 and actually have church there. Uh, we also have, this is one of the things I was kind of talking about, just the difference. Like when we were in South Asia, uh, you know, we're up in the Himalayas. I mean, obviously that's third world, it's poor, but they still had a home. They still had land, uh, at least the people that we were working with. You know, here with refugees, they don't have anything. Hmm. 
And there are those cases where it's not safe for them to do church in a camp. Uh, it's not safe for them to do church in their apartment because it's it's a government-run facility, and there's a hundred other Muslim families there. So we've tried to create some environments where they can do church in a way that they'll be able to reproduce when they get to Germany, let's say. So basically what we've done is we've rented apartments, and we really just kind of have the, the living room area set up where a group can meet in there and do church. And that's something um, you know that we just feel that's the best way that we can prepare them for what they're going to experience. Uh, you know, let's say whenever they get to Germany, you know, odds are they're not going to be in a city where there's a ministry building like they're a part of here in Athens. So we got to prepare them for whatever they're going to experience wherever they go. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the way we've been able to do that is just, you know, provide a couple of those those places. But we just keep it basic. We keep it simple. Something that we feel like they'll be able to reproduce, you know, whenever they move on. Or now you're starting to see more and more refugees that, you know, make that transition to immigrant. And now they choose to stay, actually get a Greek passport. And so they're a little bit more stable. They're, you know, they, they, they find work. And so they rent their own apartment. And uh, so we're just kind of bridging that gap, I guess, as best we can, uh, you know, until they can create their own space to do it. So you're looking at the movement of the refugees uh, and seeing, you know, sometimes we've only got six or eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And if they come to know Christ, we've got to give them the essentials of what they need to be a disciple and form church wherever they go. Mm-hmm. And right. then sometimes you've got a longer period of time with them, but it's the same essentials. And right. you're thinking, okay, quite a number of the high percentage of these people will be moving throughout Europe. Right. So how do you help them take what they've learnt and live it and do it in you know when they're in Berlin or in Paris or wherever they might be yeah you know I mean just sticking to the the key principles of keep it simple and reproducible and uh, you know something that's already reproducing uh, you know so having even even our, our initial lessons that are it's it's basically the seven commands we just do it a little bit different um, but, um, you know, it's, we're, so you've got those basic things you want everybody to walk through. Well, in certain cases, we're going to mix that up and maybe do suffering first or, mm. you know, others, you know, you would just jump right into baptism and just everywhere in between. So, you know, first of all, being flexible with, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily go from point A to point Z, yeah. you know, in that order. And we're, you just have to be okay with that. Uh, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, if, you know, for example, if if we only have eight days with somebody, which happens, you know, not that they're they're come in their first day and then they're gone in eight days. It's maybe they don't come to faith until later in their refugee journey and they're about to leave the country, whatever. Uh, so, OK, what are you going to give them? You know, so we want to make sure that they know how to share their story, share the story and how to be in how to be in the word, uh, you know, because we we know that if they're in the word, they're going to read all the seven commands. Uh, and, you know, and initially get to that. So we try to bridge that a little bit. We developed an app that uh, we just, you know, they can put on their phone and uh, it's got all the discipleship lessons in their language, in their heart language, that they can uh, watch these videos as they continue their journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the reality is we, we usually lose touch with about 80 mm-hmm. percent that move on. Yeah, just what it is. 
And, you know, the 20% that we are able to maintain some communication with, I'd say it's about 10% of those that when they land, mm. they understand that it's their responsibility to, to start, uh, you know, reaching out. Uh, you know, they are the church. Yeah. And so that's the, really that 10%. I mean, that's a rough estimate, but, yeah. you know, that, that really those select few, which is, you know, typical. That's who we got to focus our effort on, uh, you know, downstream. And so we'll send like, um, so the nationals that we work with here, they're all legal. They all have passports, uh, Greek passports now. So they're free to travel anywhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll send them to some of these guys that are starting to see some fruit. Yeah. Uh, you know, for example, we had a guy that really uh, is, uh, he was a Persian brother that we lost touch with for almost a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, you know, they lose their phone or they switch phone numbers or, you know, something happens, whatever. So really we have to rely on those that kind of get back in contact with us once they get settled somewhere. Uh, and that's kind of, we kind of can use that as a filter sometimes. Those that really want it, really want to stay connected, really want to do work wherever they go. Uh, you know, they'll make contact whenever they land. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a brother that contacted back uh, our Persian leader here and said, hey, do you remember me? Yes, of course. Uh, you know, hey, we've landed and in, in, uh, he's in Austria. Uh, you know, praise the Lord, brother, excited for you. Listen, you know, I've got 14 people that came to faith and, you know, we're meeting in my apartment now, but I don't know what to do. He was one of those guys that, he wasn't here long enough to experience what does it look like, you know, to go from point A to point Z, experience healthy church. So, you know, hey, we, we buy our brother a plane ticket and we send him out there to spend two weeks with him. Yeah. And so that's just kind of the it's kind of how we're doing it right now. Just, you know, when we have those guys that are hungry for it, that want it, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll fly our guys up there and, and let them, you know, you call it a mid-level if you want to call it that or, you know, adding fuel to the fire or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, really just try to take people that. Almost everybody that leaves, I'll just put it this way, they've missed something along the way. Uh, it's just not pretty here. There's just no, very few people that get through the whole process of, you know, coming to faith, going through a short-term discipleship process, leading into a long-term discipleship process where they get to experience healthy church for, you know, six months before they leave. Mm-hmm. That's like ideal, and that's perfect, but that usually doesn't happen. Okay. And so really, you this ministry has a Europe-wide impact, and I would imagine it's also having an impact through, um, you know, through the internet back to their home countries, places like Iran yeah. and Iraq and uh, elsewhere. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, we call it Skypeship. Okay. Uh, so uh, Skypeship, yeah. So we've got a couple of our guys in particular. They just. They, they now have a network and, and some of them end up, they have more fruit through that, you know, through, so one, yeah, lots of different stories, but, you know, just different ways that they can get uh, Christian content into Muslim countries via Facebook or a website. And then they just filter out all of the nasty responses and they just look for the people that are really interested. And then they can be in, begin a dialogue there and then set up Skype calls. Uh, and then, you know, we've got brothers that have uh, discipleship groups that they disciple through Skype in four or five other countries. And so it's just some of them are, uh, you know, like Ireland and, and um, Denmark and Germany. And uh, but then back into Turkey now, back into Iran, uh, back into Afghanistan, uh, you know, and then at that point, really, the only limitation is Internet, uh, you know, Internet speed and things like that. But that's just the reality of it. But, yeah. Uh, you know, there are certainly ways to get back into country without having to go back there. Yeah. And, 
that's just one of the ways we're, you know, so as much as that we can do, uh, awesome. Where's this going, Will? What's God put on your heart? Yeah, we want to see a movement of healthy churches all throughout Europe. And, you know, we really feel that, uh, you know, among refugees, among Europeans, and we just really feel blessed that we're in a city that we really feel like can be just because of where it is geographically along the refugee highway. It's just such a, a rare opportunity that you're not going to be able to keep people. They are going to move on and they don't know where they're going. You know, so we just kind of trust it to the spirit that he's going to send these people to where he wants them to be. And our role, our responsibility here is to give them as much as we can for the time that we have them. And, you know, when they go, we pray that we're able to connect with those that are really passionate and end up seeing fruit there so we can, you know, continue to, to feed into that. And, you know, we just believe that, for one, God is at work among Muslims. I think nobody can deny that. And we want to see a movement of healthy churches among Muslim background believers all throughout Europe. But, man, we just believe that if, look, if, if God's at work in such great ways among, among Muslims, why can't he be at work the same way among Europeans? We just believe that he is. <laughs>